1: Hello and welcome to another episode of the Property Voice podcast. My name is Richard Brown and as always it's a pleasure to have you join me on the show again today. Last week we talked about the 4% rule which is a rough guide to calculating a fund value that you should be able to live on for the rest of your life. This week I wanted to build on the idea a little further and go into a little more detail around the question, how much is enough? Or to put it another way, what is your number and as we, as we shall see uh, it might not be a single number and the question of how much is enough can also be uh, open to some interpretation as well so let's move on with the show right now
0: okay so let's get on with this week's featured topic with property chatter
1: a few years ago a really good friend and i were, were sat talking about investments and How long before he in particular could kiss goodbye to the day job? We asked each other, what's your number? Now in in simple terms, our number is the total value of our investment funds or our net worth excluding the home that we live in, which in turn should produce our target annual income based on the 4% rule. So for example, if we want to reach an annual passive income of £50,000 before tax, then our number would be 1.25 million. And that's because 4% of 1.25 million is £50,000, so we have an equation if you like. However, how how do we arrive at our annual income target in the first place? Our annual, annual income needs might not be the same as our current income, our future income say, close to retirement or some other point in time, or some other number plucked out from the air because it sounds good. I often hear people talking of generating a monthly income of £3,000, £5,000 or £10,000, for example. But these numbers sound quite round and random, don't they? I also ask people what they want to earn and they often say something like this. I want to replace my current income as an answer. However, there is something of a scale in terms of financial needs and wants that might look something like this. I'm just going to walk you through it now. The first level if you like on the scale is financial safety and this could be defined as an annual income or a lump sum that would keep you out of trouble for a while whilst you figure something else out. It could probably uh, cover your mortgage or your rent uh, and some other main debt repayments if you have any for a period of say six months or a year. could be longer depending on your approach to this particular topic. It won't replace your income and it won't make you rich either. What it will do is allow you to sleep better at night knowing that you are ahead of the majority of the people in the UK who would, would be in significant financial difficulty very quickly if they lost their job or main source of income. The idea is to target uh, of, this, sorry, of this target is as a safety net only and this should be your first goal to reach. It could in fact be a small rainy day fund rather than an income goal to, to reach as such. So that's the first stage. The second stage is financial security and this will be an income sufficient enough to cover your basic living expenses only. It will include the rent or mortgage payments, the bills and the food plus a basic allowance for clothing say. It is not a luxurious lifestyle we're talking about here. It is instead a simple and functional one. It means we can probably survive living a modest lifestyle without having much in the way of luxuries, meals out, entertainments or flashy brands. You wouldn't exactly say it was an aspirational position to aim at but it's definitely a secure one, hence the name. This should be our second target and it's probably still below our current income level. Of course it does depend on what our current income level is and I'll come back to that point in a second. The third stage is financial independence. And I, I have a caveat to what I'm about to say about this uh, in a minute. However, put simply, financial independence is the income we would need to quit our job. It's therefore a job replacement income. And of course, if you don't have a job and you just have some other form of income, it just replaces that instead. But um, for most people, it's, uh, it's a job replacement income. And so it's, uh, it's many people's real target to reach in, in actual fact. Um, but as you can see it's the third stage along the scale here. Now the caveat I mentioned is uh, is what I like to call the lifestyle qualification. And if you currently live in leafy Surrey, you holiday twice a year, dine out a couple of times a week, renew your BMW or your Mercedes every three years, this will also come at a significant cost. But do you really need this sort of lifestyle to be truly financially independent? For example, you could live in a lower priced part of the UK or even another country to reduce some of these living expenses. This is why I often challenge people that come to me with a goal of income replacement within, say, one to five years when they have a starting investment fund of (laughs) £4.50. Yes, I know, there are ways of making money that uh, when you have that much to start with, I'm I'm an example of that, and I will mention a few later on. However, if you're working full-time and want to quit your job without taking on another one, then something's got to give. Of course, the opposite could also be true. You don't live in leafy Surrey, but you might happen to live in more meager surroundings with barely enough money to make it feel too comfortable. Then perhaps you do need an upgrade on your current income to achieve a satisfactory standard of living. In other words, this financial independence income target is perhaps the one most open to interpretation or debate. So, have a look at what you need or how you could live in order to arrive at a comfortable lifestyle, rather than what you necessarily want to live on, is what I would suggest you do when looking at this particular target figure. Don't worry, the wants bit comes next. The fourth level along the scale, or the fourth stage along the scale, is financial freedom. And this is an income target that not only covers your living expenses, but makes you feel that you can have many of life's luxuries too. This is probably the first financial freedom figure you arrived at when I spoke of it just now. Plus a bonus of 30% or so on top. Just because. (laughs) It's an income that means you can live as you do today, perhaps with an upgrade to business class instead of economy. I'm thinking of a concept rather than literally flights here, so you get the thinking. And it should leave you feeling contented, and able to withstand a storm or two, or support others in need along the way if necessary. And the, the final stage I'm going to cover today is being financially carefree. And this is an income target that brings you all of the toys that you hoped and wished for. It might include several homes, several top mark cars, luxury and designer brands, regular international travel, fine dining, private members clubs, and, and that sort of thing. And you will be able to uh, support a range of good causes without having to even think about it. Your concerns will be more about quality, exclusivity and ease of getting what you want rather than having to ask the price as the opening question. You should be able to leave a, a lasting financial legacy that should long outlive you. And this is the stuff that quite literally dreams are made of. This could be our ultimate destination. Unless you really have to become a billionaire, which is probably beyond the scope of today's discussion in all honesty. Now, I've used the terms financial safety, security, independence, freedom and being financially carefree here. Other people may use slightly different terms, but they boil down to the same sort of concept. The idea is to look at our finances and so our income goals and targets on a linear scale rather than one single absolute number. And there's a number of good reasons for this uh, and why it's a good thing to do. The first is that it is a realistic perspective and this allows you to set an initial goal that is perhaps more attainable when you get started. It is after all often said that people overestimate their short-term goals Uh, whilst underestimating their long-term goals and what they can achieve. This sort of financial goal setting along a scale might help to avoid these traps therefore. Second, it allows plans to be made that are more progressive in nature, a bit like going around the bases in a baseball, softball or rounders game. One base at a time with the overall aim of getting back home without getting out. So it's logical it also steps up as our own experience, resources and confidence grows. Third, it allows us to set stretch goal or a someday goal, as I like to call it. And that might really be the stuff dreams are made of, but without scaring the living daylights out of us as well. And to illustrate the point, when I set my very first income goal, it was 25000 a year as a modest pension income. And if you were listening last week, you would have heard about that. And this was something of a financial security goal, albeit 25 years down the line. And as I also outlined last time, having then effectively fixed that problem with my very first investment property purchase, I was able then to reset my goals and move along the scale from financial security along to financial independence instead. In my own case, I, uh, I set my first financial independence goal not based on my last employed income when I worked full time, which is around about 100000 a year. Instead, I stripped out some of the luxury or more optional items of expenditure to arrive at a comfortable income goal well below that figure. I managed to achieve this passive income goal within around two years and was slowed down mostly you know, due to the time taken to undertake projects and recycle my cash funds. After achieving this first financial independence figure, I was again uh, able to reset my goal to full financial independence which I hit around in, in around three years and then on to true financial freedom which I hit around uh, the, th- the five- year mark more or less i uh, I now sit somewhere between financial freedom and, and being truly financial financially carefree rather. And to be completely honest with you, it's simply a case of time and letting the power of compound growth, delay gratification and repeating the same sorts of principles that will take me there. However, I am secure in the knowledge that if it all had to stop tomorrow for some reason, then I'd still be in decent shape. I've decided to share some of my own experiences, not to show off in any way. In fact, some of you might be thinking, is that it? <laughs> I mean, the, the, imagine the, the points I wanted to, uh, to share are, are that A, we can use the scale of financial goal setting to move forward and map out our journey in stages, and B, to also show that, a financial, sorry, that financial success through property investing, whilst extremely effective, is also not an overnight fix. It does take time it does take patience and resilience and it does require diligent and persistent application of sound financial principles to get to where we want to be. But it will produce results and it will surprise you how the snowball gathers momentum along the way as well. So now that you have your various financial freedom goals and targets or financial goals and targets you can use these to work up uh, up to the target investment fund required. I'll let you decide whether whether or not to include an element of the state or any other pension in your figures, so that's your call. In my own case, however, I'm not totally confident that the state pension can always be relied upon decades down the line, but that's just a personal view. But all you really need to do now is to apply the 4% rule we discussed last time as follows. Work out your target safe withdrawal rate final investment fund by multiplying the target income figure that you've arrived at from one of the the, the the five stages I talked about earlier, by 25. So, for example, if it was £50,000, and I dare say that might not be at the bottom end of the scale, perhaps mid-range, higher mid-range, don't know, so it depends on you and your circumstances let's say it was £50,000, well that would become £1.25 million as previously said. So the mass behind it is uh, £50,000 times 25, or if you really wanted to work, to work it out, it's £50,000 divided by 4%, uh, multiplied by 100. Secondly, you can work out your investment starting fund requirements by working out 4% of your target investment fund. Well, it's also £50,000 coincidentally, because I said I like things simple. Uh, and of course, it's £50,000 if our target income is also £50,000. It's £25,000 if our target income is £25,000. However, remember, this is based on 25 years of growth and reinvested, uh, sorry, capital growth and reinvested net cash flow along the way as well. So don't don't lose sight of those assumptions, please. It doesn't necessarily hold true if you've got negative cash flow or no cash flow or you're in a low, low capital growth area. So, uh, and of course, if you, you hold the asset for less than 25 years or hold the property for less than 25 years. It will take some time to save up this fund and then you'll have to be patient enough to let it grow with the benefit of both compound capital growth, as mentioned, and the reinvested rental profits for around 25 years. So it's not exactly a get-rich-quick scheme, I, I confess. But if you can't afford to wait 25 years to turn your fund into your, your starting fund into your target income goal, or if you don't have the, the starting fund to begin with, then you need to do something differently uh, than this patient set and forget plan. Here are some of the options to accelerate your rate, rate of growth, rather. The first one is to accelerate the rate, rate of growth for, uh, for the getting started fund. And this could literally be by saving more of your current income. Or it could come from earning more, for example a second job or a business, or you know, perhaps putting the performance levels to up those bonuses and commissions. Or indeed by selling other assets or unnecessary possessions on eBay for example. And I've done all of these, so I see the merit in, in what they can uh, become if, if the funds uh, proceeds are invested wisely. Secondly, make your investment fund work harder for you. And this could be by taking advantage of tax breaks to retain higher net growth on savings and and smaller scale investments. And this could be, you know, for example, using a stocks and shares ISA to get tax-free growth on both capital or the share price and, and also dividends. It could be by adopting added value strategies in properties such as buy, refurbish, refinance and fast turnaround property trading. Or it could be by investing in properties with a higher overall investment return potential such as HMOs, short term lets and higher return locations both inside and outside the UK, provided you do it correctly, that is. In fact, on that note, if if you want to see some affordable properties with 15% or more gross yield, then just drop me a note and I'll, I'll share with you some of what I've been getting involved with recently. Please remember that uh, the assumptions I've been talking about here assume um, a growth rate of around about 5% a year. So uh, it might be 5 it might be 7% a year, but basically it's not stellar. It's not outstanding growth rate. So you can outperform this if you want to accelerate the uh, the journey a little bit. But the third area is to use leverage to your advantage. Now I'm not simply talking about taking higher loan-to-value borrowing here. In fact, too high, and it can be counterproductive in terms of risk exposure if you're not too careful. But an 80% or even in some cases an 85% loan-to-value mortgage means less of your own cash and more of the bank's to leverage off. As I say, pick and choose when you do that uh, that type of high-leverage uh, investment. Uh, sorry, mortgage, um, just to be set on the safe side. But joint ventures are another possibility. Your time and know-how combined with another investor's money and the profits can start to snowball if these are invested into long-term assets. Finally, leverage people, networks and systems to multiply your personal productivity and reach. Examples could include using a specialist deal sourcer or or deal sourcing service, better material buying costs uh, through membership of a landlord buying club like LMPG, or a property management system to become more organized and so free up more of your time to concentrate the things that will generate the best returns on your time. Finally uh, a few tools and resources that might help uh, help you get uh, some of the things I've been talking about today, help, help you with them rather. So in terms of defining your number I've developed a spreadsheet that helps to do this so uh, it looks at both the, uh, the asset side assets and liabilities actually, asset side, but it also looks at the income side. So it combines, you know, the, the how much you need to invest, but also um, how, much you, how much income you need to drive. Anyway, it's probably best if you just drop me a line. I'll sh- send you the spreadsheet and you can see what I mean in reality. But you might also want to check out some of the, uh, some of the following additional resources from other, you know, reputable people as well. I'm going to start with uh, Tony Robbins, who's developed an app called Money which uh, accompanies two of his uh, most recent finance books. And the app will help you to calculate those levels of financial security, independence and freedom that I spoke about earlier, although he uses slightly different uh, names than I do, but they kind of mean the same thing. It doesn't really look at the asset or investment fund side of that equation, though, so my own The Number spreadsheet can be a useful resource to accompany that. Then, you know, uh, there's a couple of things that have perhaps been around a little while and, but are still very well, for, uh, well worth looking at. Tim Ferriss developed a concept, uh, an accompanying spreadsheet, that he called Dreamline Costing, uh, which is well worth a look. So that's all, that's all about sort of adjusting your income targets to your lifestyle. And, and, of course, Tim Ferriss is famous for traveling around the world in low-cost destinations to, to make his money get work harder for him. But you don't necessarily have to do that to get the benefits of, uh, of, uh, of his approach. And then there's the Mr. Money Mustache uh, who, who can help to get you motivated to saving more of your income. For example, in one of the classic uh, Mr. Money Mustache blog posts, he shows that by increasing your rate of saving from 10% to 20% of income, you can shave a staggering 14 years off your working life. So it's your working life. So you've got longer, longer sort of not working, if you feel like, as a result of upping your late rate of savings. And this assumes that you can earn 5% on your money. So imagine how many years you could knock off with better returns than that. I'm certainly getting better than 5% on my money. So um, I'm knocking off a few more years, hopefully. Mind you, I started late, didn't I? So started this whole property thing late, that is. <laughs> uh dear. Anyway, uh, in summary then, so getting back on track, um, think of your financial goals as a, as a range along a spectrum rather than one absolute figure. You can move through, through financial safety, security, independence, freedom and on to becoming financially carefree by adopting this approach. Use the 4% rule to work out both your target investment fund and also your starting fund for the 25 year set and forget plan. And then you can adopt one or more of the tips under the three accelerate your rate of progress suggestions that I made if you want to move along more quickly, which if you recall are simply save more from your income, make your investment fund work harder for you, and use all forms of leverage to multiply sorry multiply your performance and results. Well, that's it for today then. I felt that I should add another episode around the general topic of setting financial goals and to really address the question of how much really is enough. And whether you seek a little bit of financial safety or security, the extra comfort of financial independence or the true lifestyle living of financial freedom or being financially carefree, hopefully you will at least know what these terms mean and how to calculate them. And this alone should help you with your targets and goal setting. The next step after that is to make a plan to make it all happen. I'm talking of making a plan to make things happen. If you're waiting until the last minute to buy tickets to my upcoming workshop, The Property Voice Live, on Saturday the 7th of October, then please don't wait any longer. For planning purposes, tickets will not be available to buy after this Saturday, which is the 30th of September. So don't hesitate any longer, will you? And just get over to the event page to secure your spot right away. Full details are in the show notes, and I promise you I won't mention tickets for this event again. (laughs) But as usual, you can email me, podcasts at thepropertyvoice.net, if you want to talk about anything from today's show, or more generally in property investing. As usual, the show notes will be over the website, thepropertyvoice.net. But for now, all I want to say is thank you very much for listening once again this week